Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. We do a lot of interviews with EDM artists, pop artists, rappers, and people in the industry, letting you know what they do behind the scenes. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter through the handle Sidewalk Talk Show. Hope you guys enjoy. Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. Today, I'm here with Phase One. What's up? So your dad actually connected us. Okay. Shout out to your dad. <laughs> he He's like the OG one who found like Sidewalk Talk. We were like emailing back and forth. He liked yeah. my interviews. Yeah. He uh. <laughs> He definitely follows my socials and uh, sees what all, all like my colleagues are doing and everything. Yeah, so then, yeah he's he, like, why he is it like, like get my up. son on? I'm yep. like, yeah, duh, of course, <laughs> <laughs> of course, based on yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's definitely gonna be watching this. Yeah, he's like, he will. Yeah. Coordinator. <laughs> that's it. That's it. <laughs> so originally born in Sydney. Sydney, Australia. Yep. Like inside the city or like the outside? Um, the, the place where I grew up was kind of like maybe an hour north of the city. Um, in a pretty like foresty area. Oh, what's um, it called? Uh, <laughs> the, the the town was called Hornsby. Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of like uh, just like it was like a small little village at the time, but now yeah. it's kind of like grown into like this bit of a bit of a hub uh, area. But um, yeah, but then I like when I was a teenager and stuff, I, I moved I moved closer to the city and grew oh. up around there. What did your parents do? Well, they're both retired. Yeah, yep. back then. <laughs> my dad owned a business, like a, like an IT company. Oh wow. And my mom was a healthcare worker. Where do you think I did a creative side from, your mom? Probably probably my dad's side. Like. Oh yeah. I think it, I think it skips generations. Uh, my my dad's dad was a was a pianist. Oh wow. And, I, and mo most of that side of the family has some sort of like uh, musical passion or background. Like my uncle's like a, loves these drums and things like that. So I think that's kind of where yeah. I get the. Uh, the musical side from like I can't think of anyone in my mum's side of the family who has any sort of musical yeah. like <laughs> knowledge did, or anything. Did her dad's side do it as like a profession or more of as a hobby? Um, it was more of a hobby. Like my, my my grandpa did like a few gigs here and there, but it wasn't like it wasn't like a full time living or anything. It was more yeah. just like the the love, the love of it. And like mm -hmm. yeah, it was probably he probably got paid here and there, but. It wasn't like he's full-time job yeah. or anything. Yeah. Is he the one who taught you piano? Um, some of my early, earliest memories um, is me in my, my grand, grandpa's uh, like studio playing his piano. Like he, he didn't teach me, but like uh, I'd say that's probably my earliest memories of actually playing piano yeah. as like a two-year-old kind of thing. So do you like piano from the onset? Yeah, yeah, basically. Like I, um, whenever there was any sort of musical instrument around uh, growing up, I, I was always just on it constantly. Oh wow, <laughs> Some, I feel like that's so rare actually. Maybe, uh, yeah, I feel like it's, it's good to have like the options around. Um, but uh, yeah, so my parents bought me like this tiny little Casio like child like um, keyboard and I was just on that constantly <laughs> from, from, from like age of like three or four like onwards. So you were beat making already. <laughs> yeah, basically, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then like when I was about seven then I picked up the guitar and started getting guitar lessons and uh, piano lessons as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Did he ask for the lessons? Um, I think so. I can't remember, actually. I think so. That's really cool. Wow. Uh. <laughs> and then for like guitar, is it because your uh, friends around you were also getting into guitar bands? Or were you the one before, was it before um, that? I think um, one of the kids at school got, a, got an electric guitar. And that kind of sparked my interest in just wanting to explore other, other instruments. 
and so I did, and then um, I think like growing up, like when you're that age, like the kind of songs that you're learning are very kind of like basic, kind of like mm -hmm. you know, almost like nursery rhyme kind of style, yeah. kind of style songs. Now I wasn't really interested in that, so then I, I kind of like lost a bit of interest because it was it wasn't that interesting to me. And then I think it wasn't until I became a teenager where I started where I kind of rekindled my interest for uh, these uh, instruments, mm -hmm. and then I started playing like like rock songs and like songs I was actually actually interested in, you know? Yeah. yeah. Were they just your classmates that you formed bands with? Yeah, yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Were you performing with them? Um, yeah, so like my, my first band that uh, we that I started was in high school, it was just like nothing nothing serious or anything, just a bunch of classmates having fun really. Once we finished school, we started doing a few gigs around, around Sydney. Uh, for like no money basically, mm -hmm. <laughs> traveling well, around like lugging yeah. all that gear. <laughs> <laughs> was there original music or covers? Yeah, it was all original. Oh, yeah. that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were yeah. you helping with the songwriting stuff too? Uh, yeah, I, I, it, it was like a collaborative effort, but I, I'd, I'd say I was probably doing like 80% of the, the songwriting. Um, and then uh, I, I also like, throughout the years I'd been interested in um, uh, production and audio engineering as well. So I, I kind of I had a really basic setup at home. So like whenever um, whenever like my friends or my friends' bands wanted to record, I'd bring them over to my house and I'd like produce their albums or like EPs Whoa. and stuff like that. And like it was like it was very ba basic quality, but like mm -hmm. it was it was enough to get by for like a demo kind of thing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the band music is it out? Like can people find it online? Probably not. No, that 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 was like way before. Um, streaming was like really a thing yeah <laughs> like we had like a myspace page that was basically as far as it went and like we could have we had we had a few songs up on that but i think i'm pretty sure those pages have been taken down so <laughs> <laughs> and then how did you find uh edm but yeah so then in like 2010 11 i heard dubstep for the first time just by because I, I saw lots of, lots of my friends online posting ukf videos um, so I was like, so one day I finally decided to be like, all right, what what is this stuff they're they're posting? Finally decided to check it out, and uh, it was what was the song? It was a Gemini song. Mm. Um, it was his remix of Hadouken, yeah, uh, Oxygen. And I heard that, and I was like, wow, what is this? This is like, I've never heard anything like this before. And then um, yeah, so then I just immediately started like researching, what is dubstep? I'm like, <laughs> what is this sound? Um, and then I just came across like Skrillex and like all the other ones that were like popping off back in like 2012. Um, and then yeah, I decided to download Ableton. That's what I heard all the, all the electronic artists yeah. were using. Before that, weren't you using like PlayStation or Nintendo? <laughs> I had something on uh, like when I was like really young. I had like a PlayStation game, which was like Music Maker or something. But then, like when I was uh, actually like recording bands, I was using Pro Tools, yeah. which is like industry standard for like most like audio stuff. But then, yeah, I actually tried making dubstep on Pro Tools, and like it just it doesn't really do very well for MIDI <laughs> at all. So then I uh, yeah switched to Ableton, and then just started messing around basically, just experimenting. So that was uh, yeah. kind of the start of that. And then I, so then I quit the bands and started started the name phase one and started releasing music just for like I started basically putting it out for free on SoundCloud originally. How old were you at this? 
time. Yeah. This is like eight years ago, so I'm 30 now, so yeah. I was like 22. Oh, so this is when you were like in audio engineering school? Um, I, I actually, I graduated audio engineering school when I was like 19, so this is probably like about, about three years after that. Looking back, do you think you learned a lot from audio engineering schools? Like for people watching, you recommend them going? Um, yeah, I did. I, know, I, I really did. Um, a lot of, uh, I mean, like, I know these days there's like schools like Icon, which kind of, yeah. they're more focused on like electronic production and stuff like that. But um, yeah, audio engineering kind of like delves more into the, the audio world, like where there's like, in terms of like live recording and using like an actual like big desk and mm -hmm. Pro Tools, which is like pretty much the industry standard for um, most things audio, especially when you move into like, tele like film and television as well. Yeah. Um, and with that degree, like, did you, were you planning on working behind the scenes or did you know from the onset you wanted to be like your own solo artist? Um, I, back then, and that was like 2007 that I did that, so back then I was just kind of, I didn't, wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I, I wanted to, I knew I wanted to do something to do with audio. Um, at the time I thought I was just going to be in a studio like recording bands, that's, mm. that's what I thought. <laughs> but I was wrong, I guess. <laughs> EDM just kind of changed my life for the better, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> How did you start pushing um, Phase 1 music originally? Um, well, originally it was just for fun, I started, so it was just like free releases on SoundCloud so like, as like a free download kind of thing. Um, but then I guess I, a, few, a few labels kind of like sparked some interest and then uh, then yeah, then I uh, started releasing music. Like my first EP was on Firepower, which yeah. was that's like, how long did it take from the beginning of your name to probably like two years? Okay, probably about two years yeah. to actually get like like a actual decent like label release. Um, before that, it was, it was a few little labels I released on, but it wasn't wasn't anything like serious or anything. Mm -hmm. um, but but then once the Firepower thing came along, then I, I basically started releasing with them for about. Um, God, about three years or something. I, yeah. did, I did three EPs with them. Three or two? Three. I can't remember. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's so long to remember. Um, <laughs> did you collab with That Sick or work in the studio with him at that time? Um, we we always talked about working on something. Yeah. <laughs> and that never happened. <laughs> and probably, obviously, obviously, never will happen now. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we, we used to hang out a bit. Like uh, whenever he was in Australia, like he was like, whenever he was touring, we like we'd, we'd hang out and. It was, all, it, was mm -hmm. all, it was all chill. Actually, yeah. in um, Australia, where there are a lot of other producers that had similar style, because I think like back then it was, was it before Flume's type of music? Yeah, I mean like Flume kind of popped off in like, what, probably right around 2014 or something? Yeah. Um, that was kind of like at, at the uh, time of the, uh, the Australian sound kind of like yeah. wave, like future bass or whatever. Um, but before that, like, um, in, in terms of like bass music, there's, there's a bunch of producers, but, um, like, realistically, like, I, I, can, I can only name about, like, five bass music artists that have really kind of Yeah, I feel like, like it's so rare. It's been, like, a lot more, like, flume type. Yeah, scene, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that, that stuff definitely sells, sells better, for sure, because it's more accessible. Um, but in terms of bass music, there's like me, there's like Mastodon as a, as a yeah. recently because he's, you know, he's finally as of age so he can like travel <laughs> and play shows now, which is great because he's killing it. Uh, and then there's dudes like Hydraulics, he's a bit more on, on the trap side, but still, yeah. still bass music. And then uh, another one of my friends, Oski. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chibs, you, you probably heard of Chibs before. Mm -hmm. he's, he's, yeah. from, he's from Australia. 
he's uh, I think he's trying to get his American visa now. Oh, but so yeah. he's like doing things. Were you guys all hanging out? Yeah, like we're, we're all friends from yeah. way back. Like me and Hydraulics, he's like probably my day one. Like, oh wow. Like I, I, used, I used to go, um, when I first started going out before I was like actually probably making music. Like I started just, just attending dubstep shows and he was like, he was the, like, the guy that was always DJing. <laughs> so I just like introduced myself to him online. I was like, what's up bro? Like, <laughs> I like your stuff. And yeah. then, yeah, we just became like, like friends. And then it's just funny because now we're like, um, we both have the same manager. We both have the same agent. Yeah. <laughs> like it's funny. Like eight years later, we're just, like we're still like play, we, we just played a show together like two days ago in <laughs> Atlanta. Awesome. It's, like, you know. <laughs> actually, it's one of cool. the first places you DJ DJed was not Chinese Laundry. Yeah, I've yeah. actually been there. You've been there? Yeah, what? I saw Anna Luno there. No way. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. What did you think of it? Was, isn't the ceiling like really low? Yeah. Yeah. So many tall Australians, <laughs> and I'm like, how do you? You're just gonna jump and just right. <laughs> hit the ceiling. Yeah, I know. But it was uh, so crazy. Yeah. So I think the ceiling adds an effect that it's like a tight room. Yeah, no, it's crazy. <laughs> that, was, that was basically the first place I started uh, performing in, just as like a local DJ. I yeah. Guess, like that. For your day job, you're working like in TV. Mm, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I, um, I basically, since from like 2008 till. About two years ago, I, I was had, had a day job where I was like, uh, my job was uh, my, my position was called a presentation coordinator, mm -hmm. and my job was to basically to watch over like the, the cable company in Australia, which is called Foxtel. So I, I basically had to monitor all the channels that were like oh, being, wow. being played out and like make sure it was running smoothly and was fix it. Ah, uh, it, it could be, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a lot more interesting side of like the live TV side of it. Was oh, a lot yeah. more fun where you got to like control what was going out and like insert graphics and like change like yeah. like roll breaks and stuff like that. If it wasn't for uh, music, do you think you'd be still doing that? Uh, probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> I mean, hopefully not, but probably. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I think. I think now, now that I've like, like took a leap and quit that and like moved to America, and now I'm doing music full time. I think like now in, in my state of being like mine now, I, I can never go back. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd, I'd find something else or like something more related to like uh, music or audio kind of mm, thing. Yeah. <laughs> How was it like when you were still doing this job? Were you like taking long time off work to tour or? Yeah, so um, especially in, in the later years when like, uh, when the phase one project was kind of like becoming like a thing, it was basically having like two full-time jobs. So like, um, the good thing about the job is I would get like five days off at a time. So like, I'd, I'd work like day shifts and night shifts, but I'd have like five days on, five days off. Okay. And then, um, so like during these like days off, it gave me like plenty of time to like go away for a few days and like do some shows and stuff like that. So it kind of, it kind of worked out, but then in the later years, especially when like I, I, I had to start taking leave to uh, like go touring internationally, that was like when it started becoming like pretty intense. And then it got to the point where like I did my first American tour and I was like, I was like, hmm, there's, there's a big mark out of here. Maybe this could become a thing. Yeah. Maybe this could become like an actual job. And then I quit and <laughs> just yeah. took the leap. Did he kind of already saturate the Australian market? Did he like that just tour too, there yeah. too much? Yeah, yeah. That, that too. Like, like, like these days, like, I can only go back to like Australia or like pretty much anywhere. I can only play like once, any city, like once or twice a year. Yeah. Otherwise, you, you don't want to like... Too much. Yeah, yeah. And didn't you tour with Excision? Was it in Australia they did like an under 18 party? Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> Jesus. Um, yeah, so when Excision came to Australia in, I think, 2016, 
I was his direct support for the whole tour. Yeah, and one of the shows was like an underage party. It was like uh, I've never heard of that. Yeah, no, it was it was like the weird... how did that even happen? Like they just oh, I, don't, I have no. I idea. know people was... in Australia like to party really young. Yeah, I mean they do, but like this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Like I was just I was just doing my normal set, and then like I keep looking into the crowd, and there was like twelve year olds. I was like, what? Like it just it made no sense. Like, but how, how did how did it even like come together? Do you know? I could not tell you how that came together. <laughs> <laughs> like that's for sure at first. Like, but I they were their parents. I don't think so. <laughs> I, mean, I mean that's crazy 12 year olds and bass music I mean like maybe, that's like a birthday party like maybe they had to have like an older brother or something with I, I, oh, yeah. I, 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 I have no idea how it worked but it was like there was probably like three or four hundred kids like packed into this room and they were like that's insane yeah I, I, was, I was more scared for their safety more than, more than anything cause they, <laughs> they were like jumping off each other and like doing crazy shit it was, it was, it was something else yeah. so. <laughs> how did you um, connect with Never Say Die Cycle? Never say die. Never say die? Yeah. Um, how did I connect with Never Say Die? Um, well, the first uh, release I did with them, I think, was a collab with Megalodon. Okay. Um, and then I just kind of, after that, they kind of asked me to uh, uh, work on remixes for a few other artists. So I did that. That's kind of weird. Yeah. Really. <laughs> like, I've only worked with him a few times. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Who was the first person that you met from Disciple? Dodge. Okay. Yeah, so he, he used to come to Australia quite a lot because uh, well, at the time he's, his girlfriend was living in Australia, so he used to come there and uh, my manager was his agent, so like he'd uh, tour him around quite often. And then, yeah, so like, I would just go, go and hang out with him at shows and this is before I was like on the label. We'd just hang out and like whenever he was in Sydney. And then, like, he knew that I was producing, so I started sending him my stuff, and then uh, I guess he liked it, and the rest of the guys liked it. And then I, th I think it wasn't until I um, kind of started doing the uh, the metal step stuff, like like introducing metal into dubstep. I think that's when they, they were kind of like, all right, th this is something new. So that's when they kind of like signed me on as like a full time full time artist. Mm -hmm. um, but that yeah, that, that probably took about two years of like just knowing them and, and like yeah. getting to know them and then like in, in that time I met Ross um, the other the other owner as well yeah and we, yeah we, we, we just became friends first and then and then it kind of took on to a, diff a different level mm -hmm. yeah. how do you describe the personalities of the main crew of Disciple for Virtual Ride for someone who hasn't met him like how would you describe him to someone it's just a crazy German you know <laughs> 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 no he, he's great like Every, like the, the good thing is like everyone's everyone's super nice. Yeah. Um, everyone gets along, which is like I think super hard to find like uh, in this industry because uh, when you have like I think we have like uh, like sixteen artists or something now. Yeah. And like some of them are duos, and then there's like all the like the, the label crew and like all their girlfriends. Like like we once a year we we, we do like a label like holiday mm -hmm. and we went to Thailand this year what and, uh, yeah and there was there was like 30 of us basically in like one resort we, we had the whole, whole resort to ourselves and like when you have 30 people together that like get along like that's so rare like yeah. <laughs> how's it happen like like there was, there was like like minor like disc like uh Disagreements. Yeah, disagreements. Yeah. But like that was that was it. Like it, for the most part, like it was like everyone just got along so well. And it's like how, I don't know, it's, yeah. it's just weird. Like that could, that could, that could actually happen. You know. Mm -hmm. So it's like I think um, they're very selective. Like the people that you 
they bring onto the label because not only for the music but like as a personality as well like yeah. you have to fit in and otherwise you know if you don't fit in you probably won't last that long <laughs> how did you meet 12th planet i met him when he came to australia as well it's funny like whenever um whenever there was any international artists touring australia I was, I was like the go-to guy because I was like the only guy that in the city that kind of like they was hit you producing. Up or did you hit uh, A bit of both. Like yeah. uh, it, it, was, it was mostly them hitting me up because like I, I think at that time like you know like these guys like knew my name and, and were playing my music so then they knew I was from Australia so then whenever they were coming through they're like oh we should hang out because like who else am I going to hang yeah. with for like my five days off you know. Mm -hmm. So did I was like. Um, them too? Uh, yeah yeah so I actually um, ended up working with a lot of people through that so it was, it was actually like a really good way to like uh, um, meet people and uh, connect and actually start collaborating with with like some of these like uh, American artists. Mm -hmm. But Twelfth Planet came. What year was that? Probably like 2014 or 15, okay. something like that. Um, on a tour, and then we, yeah, we just we just hung out, and ever since then we've been like really good friends. And then we've, we've toured together a bunch since then. Um, uh, we, we we toured China together uh, oh, wow. la last year. And that was like, I think that's when we became like super, super tight. Because mm. um, we, 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 we were basically together for like, uh, like 10 days straight kind of thing. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we, we, we went through some shit together for sure. We, we almost got arrested in, in China. From what? So, so I guess from any, literally anything you do. For, for being foreigners, basically. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't get into the details. But yeah. But like, yeah, we, we, that, we, that basically like bonded us as like, you know, <laughs> super good friends. And did you realize that you had to move to LA to advance your career? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I knew I had to move to America. Like, it, it didn't yeah. have to be LA, but like, um, it does have to be America because that's where like the market is. Like, like 90 percent of my shows are in America, so just being here makes all the difference. But um, the reason I chose LA is just because that's what, is what all my friends are, and and also because it's like a direct flight from Sydney as well. Yeah. So it's like if I wanted to go home, I could just get on a plane like any. You know, any minute and be, be back mm -hmm. home in like 12 hours kind of thing. Yeah. So. What's the inspiration behind transcendency? Is that how you say it? Transcendency? Transcendency. <laughs> I knew I was like, I feel like I'm missing something. Uh, inspiration? Well, I think um, I, I just got to the point where I was like kind of sick of doing um, like the, the typical like four or five track uh, like dubstep EP. Yeah. Where like there's, there's, way more, there's way more to my music taste um, than just dubstep, you know. Um, where I, I, I like like lots of different like genres, um, so I wanted to just do something a lot bigger where I could like kind of experiment and like show off like all the different styles that I like to listen to and produce. Um, so yeah, like I kind of discussed it with uh, between me and my manager and also the label, and we decided that it was yeah it was about time for me to do a uh, an album, full length album, because I'd I'd already done five uh, EPs yeah. before that and a bunch of singles and remixes and everything. Um, then I basically got to work on it and it took me probably almost like close to a year to do, okay. the, whole, do the whole thing. Yeah. Um, like on and off, like start to finish. And like during that time I did like a bunch of other like remixes and singles and stuff like that in between as well. But um, yeah, it was, it was basically just for me to kind of show what I'm all about basically. Mm -hmm. Cause, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a dad now? Me? No, no. I did I saw, saw, thought I saw a photo of you and a little baby. That's my dad's baby. <laughs> that's my that, that, that's my that's my baby sister. So 
the dad who hit you up about the uh, the interview. Oh. That, that, that's his new baby. Yeah. So that's that, that's my like half sister. Yeah. Oh, so cute. <laughs> yeah, she's adorable. <laughs> and you could like crack every single bone in her body. You, you've seen some other interviews, haven't you? Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can pretty much crack everything. It's great. How did you realize that? Like, I'm I the one I'm like most curious about is like the spine, like all oh, the spine. Oh yeah, like uh, I don't know how I even figured this out. Like I've been doing it since I was like a kid, and just I don't know, just crack things. <laughs> Does it mean you're flexible, or it's, Pro it's probably probably like well, my like uh, like. Some of my like limbs are like super like flexible, but like my when it comes to like uh, like um, ligaments and stuff like that, with my like my legs are super tight. Yeah. But like same. the rest of my body is like pretty, pretty, pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> like my fingers and stuff are like super flexible. <laughs> How do you say you've grown as a person compared to when you were younger? Uh, have I grown? Yeah. I I'd like to hope that I've grown good. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I think I think every kid goes to their, their their rebel stage when they're growing up, you know, yeah. during the teenage years or whatever. I think I think I, I had mine quite young. I like to think, um, I had mine when I was like 13, 14, 15, and then I think I started to mature a bit when I was like 16, 17. But I think I think a lot of that was helped by music as well. Mm. Like back then, um, basically when I picked up the guitar again, that's kind of when it all changed. Like. I started hanging out with better people, like yeah. musicians, rather than just like, you know, bad people. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think um, I think the music music's kind of just like you, you meet a lot of like uh, like-minded people, and uh, generally people with like creative uh, thought processes are just uh, a lot like friendlier to be around, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's kind of made me a better person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you say have been the biggest challenges in your life so far? Oh God. Um, I mean, movie overseas was movie overseas was probably mm. the um, maybe one of the biggest. I don't know because like it, it was a risk. Yeah. Because uh, quitting my job to then uh, oh true and then not knowing if this could work. I mean, like it's 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 like looking back, it was like wasn't as big as I made it out to be but like at the time when you when you yeah, do, when you're doing you it it's like imagine. holy shit like this could be it I just gave up my job for this kind of thing what does love mean to you love yeah <laughs> um, means um, <laughs> it means uh, you <laughs> have some sort of uh, really strong bond or connection with mm. someone or something <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Last question, what do you want to be remembered for? I don't really care about remember, being remembered for like myself, but like I hope people remember my music, I guess, at least. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is so much fun. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much. Bye.
certain sobering things in 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 the music industry that will kind of make you feel like I'm successful and there's ones that will make you feel like you're a king so mm -hmm. you just got to fake the rough with this move yeah we have I'd say we're successful yeah right? and, and like stupidly lucky to be able to do it dubstep took a dip and like our own country where, where it's from wouldn't play it on the radio you know it, it was getting no love so for for Josh to have kind of kept playing dubstep even in all of that climate mm. you, know, you, you know when you could have been playing house and other things you know and I'm not naming names I'm not chatting shit I'm just saying like there's a certain amount to be said for acts that don't you know stray too far from the path of the cause so like I always say the same band comes back to them every time but Iron Maiden have done the same record for like 35 years it's always the same branding it's the same type of tunes it's it's like that's why they're they're still relevant and they're still big today and still selling sh shows out because you know they've given their fan base exactly what they want so once you have a fan base which most of have it's really important to not alienate them or push them away and give them stuff that they they don't want or or, or are interested in you know, yeah. you, you know but at the same time is playing to like the people that make you a band you got to keep yourself happy and mm -hmm. fulfilled so it's it's a balance yeah I love balance. this. Yeah, thank you so much. No worries, no worries. <laughs> Bye.